soul. Leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. And we saw from that that we all need help, right? We all need help. David was a billionaire. He could have anything he wanted, King David. But he said, I need a shepherd. (laughs) I need help. And we all do. We, We all need help. We also saw that we need to believe that God will provide. That's how David was able to say, I shall not want. I shall not want. No matter what, he knew the shepherd was able to provide for him. He knew that. And that brings contentment in, in our lives. When we know, when we're able to say, I shall not want, God, I know that you, are, you're, you will provide for me. I believe it. I trust you in that. And then we saw that we need to go where God leads wherever that is he's leading us down a path of righteousness he has a path for each of us and he has put us here where we are and all of our experiences have come along with us and and he's leading us and putting us in the right places where we can glorify him and serve others and so we we saw that and today we come to to verse four and we're going to talk about trusting god through the valleys through the dark times through the valleys Uh, Let me read it. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death or the the shadow of darkness, it doesn't necessarily refer to death, although it can, but it refers to the dark times in our lives, just that darkness that many times falls in our lives and we, and we, we just, we, we have a hard time dealing with it, right? Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, David says, I will fear no evil. For you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Uh, some things. Number one, keep moving. Keep Moving, uh, even though I walk through the valley. Now, this is this valley is any dark place. Again, it could refer to death, but but any any dark any place where we are struggling, uh, we are walking through that time, right? We're walking we're walking through it. We're not running to get out of the valley, out of the darkness. We're not stopped because we're afraid of the darkness. We are walking through the valley. We're walking through a dark, desperate valley. Life is a journey. We figured that out, right? Our li- life is a journey. It is one step at a time. And you know what we need to do? Keep stepping, right? Just keep stepping, keep walking, keep moving. The path of righteousness of, of verse 3, when God is leading us down paths and the shepherd is leading the sheep to where he wants them to be, this path of righteousness, the, path, the right path for us, it leads through the valley. It leads through the valley. I mean, it, I mean we, you know, we, don't, we don't like that, but, it, but the shepherd walks with us through it. He walks, he's right, he's right there with us walking through the valley, taking us to where we need to be. Now, we always look at valleys as being those difficult times. In our, we always look at those as being bad. 
But we can always look at the shepherd as being good because we know that he, that's who he is. Keep moving. Keep moving. Valleys also are fertile. Uh, we, we don't like valleys, but we grow in valleys. You know, that's where we grow. Uh, we grow, grow in those valleys and, and keep moving. Keep moving. Shepherd's always with us. Always with us. Well, uh, this thought. The road to the mountaintop goes through the valley. The road to the mountaintop goes through the valley. I'm talking about through a dark valley, a time of struggle in our lives, a time of hurt and pain in our lives, a time of confusion in our lives, a time when we are struggling and we are in terror and we don't know what's going to happen next. The road through the valley leads to the mountain. It leads to the mountain. We, we want to be on the mountaintop. You know, I, I do. I want to be on the mountaintop with God. I want to live my whole life on the mountaintops with God. You know, because we want to be close to Him, right? We want to see Him in His power. We want to see God work. You know, we, we want to see His glory. But we don't want to have to walk through the valley to get there, you know. We just want, we just want to be airlifted, you know. And when we pass from this body into the next, we are going to be airlifted. But until that time comes, the road to the mountaintop goes through the valley. Sometimes we feel like we're stuck in these valleys, but we're not. Keep moving. Keep moving. Feel like you're stuck in the valley. Maybe you're there right now. You feel like you're stuck in the valley, and there's no way out of this valley, and you've been in this valley your entire life, it feels like, and you'll always be in this dark, black, deep darkness of this valley of death. You'll always be right there. You're not stuck in the valley. Some valleys are longer than others. Keep moving. The shepherd is still leading. He's still leading. Number two, expect rough terrain. Expect rough terrain. We keep, keep reading in verse 4. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. Even though I walk, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of, of death. It doesn't say if I walk through a valley, does he? David is pretty sure that there are valleys. He's pretty sure that there are valleys. And so he knows that the shepherd is going to be with him, but he knows also that he's going to be going through that valley. Every moment, this is depressing, okay, what I'm about to tell you. So hang in there. Hang, hang in there, all right? Every moment of our lives, every moment right now has the potential we could in the next moment from right now experience loss. We could experience disaster. You know, something really bad could happen in our lives. I mean, we don't know. We're sitting here right now. We, we don't know what's going to happen to us for the rest of the day. I mean, really bad things can come our way. You know, that, that's just expect rough terrain. It is tough to go through a valley. And when David was leading his sheep through the valley, you know, we were thinking of Palestine. And, and we're talking about a ravine with, with, you know, with rocks and cliffs and all sorts of danger from animals and from robbers and, and, and you know, all the, those difficulties. Expect 
rough terrain. Don't be surprised. We shouldn't be surprised, but we are when we go through a valley. 1 Peter chapter 1 uh, says that we are to count it all joy when we go through trials. We start into a valley, just count it all joy. Uh, it's so hard. And James chapter 1 doesn't help us when he says that we're to rejoice in those fiery trials, <laughs> you know, in those dark times that, that we're to rejoice. But Jesus said this in John 16 and verse 33. He says, I have said these things to you, that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation. You'll have trouble. You're going to have trouble in this world. It is expect rough terrain. You know, our lives are not smooth. Life can get rough at any moment and, and, and really difficult. We need to expect it. But we also need to expect the shepherd to be right with us. The unknown things of life, I mean, that's what causes the problems for me. The unknown. You know, I don't know what's going to happen. And the unknown brings me anxiety. Because if it can, if it can be construed into the idea, if I, can, if I can form it into a problem, I'll make it one. You know? If I've got a molehill, I'll add dirt to it until it's a mountain. I know better. I know better, but, I, you know, expect rough terrain. But I don't think God wants us to live in fear. To live in fear, we, we know that we're going to go through a valley. You may be in one now and struggling with a dark valley in your life right now. And, it, it, you know, it's difficult and just having a hard, hard time. And, and, but it's, it's, part, it's part of it. It is a valley of the shadow of death that we're walking through. King David understood it well. He understood it very well. It seems like we're just waiting for the next shoe to drop. I really don't know what that means, and I should have looked that up before I just said that. But you know what I'm talking about. We're waiting for, we're waiting for, we're terrified of the possibilities of what might happen. I just don't think it's God's plan for us to live scared. To be afraid all the time. Because David says in the next phrase, in the, in the verse, he, he says, I, I'm, I'm, it's rough. It is rough terrain. It is hard going. There is nothing easy about this dark valley. Nothing easy about it. But he says, I will fear no evil. I, I will fear no evil. If I, I feel like if I, if I could just know what's going to happen tomorrow, if I could just know what's going to happen today, if I could just, if I could just know, you know, what's going to happen, then, then everything would be okay. But at but this, this point, we don't have to have all the answers since we have all the promises. We don't have to have all the answers because we have all the promises from God, right? I mean, we have all the promises from God. We live by faith. We don't live by explanations. Even if we understood what was coming next, it's still coming next. 
and the shepherd is still going to be with us no matter what it is. So I was flying up here Thursday, and I've, I've left some stuff here and, and so that I don't have to carry, you know, carrying a bag. And so I just ended up with my Filson briefcase. You know, it's a soft briefcase. Some people refer to it as a man bag. Go ahead. It's okay. <laughs> and so, that, so that's all I, all I had with me, uh, you know, coming up on, on Thursday. And so I got to the airport a little bit later than I wanted to, and... I, you know, but my flight, I already found out my flight was delayed a little bit, so I'm, I'm good, I'm good. And so I step inside the terminal that is always abandoned, and I'm the only person there, hello, in this terminal. I go in, and there's people everywhere. And in the airport, when the lines get long, they have straps, and those straps go here, and then you turn, and they go here, and then you turn, you guys know what I'm talking about, and then you hear, you know, and you got, and, I, and the thing is completely full, and people are standing out, and you can't even walk by there because of all those people there. And so, I mean, what am I supposed to I get in line. And I, I get in line behind a couple from Des Moines. And the nicest people, I mean, they were just the nicest people. And we talked and, you know, we exchanged all of those things. And we're grandparents and, you know, where that went, you know, uh, of us talking about those babies. And, and so, you know, we, we waited and we talked and we waited. And you, you pick up your stuff and you move three feet and then you stop. And then you pick it up and you move one foot and you, then you stop. And then somebody decides they have to they have to come back for something, so you got to move your stuff or something. You you guys know you you get what I'm talking about. We find 45 minutes later, I get up to go to the desk to check in, and so I'm waiting my turn. And finally, a, a lady says next, and I walk up to her and I I start getting my you know phone and and, and my ID out, and she said, "Is that bag all you have?" And I said, yeah, it's my Filson bag. It's all I have. And she said, you don't need to be here. You should have just gone through security. I said, you're telling me I didn't have to wait 45 minutes in that line? She thought it was pretty funny that I did <laughs> wait in that line. So, okay, that's fine. That's, I'm, I'm good. I'm, that's fine. And so I go up, and I, you know, then I go, I'm going through security. Well, I catch up with my Des Moines friends, my friends from Des Moines. And I, I tell them, I said, I, I, I just found out I did not need to wait in that line for 45 minutes. And she said, you know, I started to say something to you. <laughs> but you look like one of those people who know what they're doing. Just look at all those people that you, you know what you're doing. And I was like, no, <laughs> no. I'm, I, was, I was trying to find a compliment on the flight all the way up. I'm trying to find a compliment in what she says. I'm still looking for a compliment in what she said. But I don't have everything figured out. And you don't either. And the wonderful thing is about not having things figured out is that God does. The shepherd does, and he's leading us, expect rough terrain. Uh, King David said this in, in, uh, in Psalm 56 and verse 3. David didn't have it all figured out. He says, when I'm afraid, 
I put my trust in you, in God, whose word I praise. He says, in God I trust, I shall not be afraid. What can man do to me or what can flesh do to me? And then down in verse 9, he says, this I know, that God is for me. This I know, he says, that God is for me. Expect rough terrain. It's part of life. Number three, appearances are deceiving. So David comes to this place, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. I will fear no evil. How can King David, with all that he had been through, running from King Saul for, for years, all that he had been through, people trying to kill him, friends trying to kill him, friends dying, children dying, opposition from every direction. How in the world can David say, I will fear no evil? Well, he said it the same way that he was able to say, I shall not want. He had confidence in the shepherd. He knew that the shepherd would provide everything that he needed. That's what he knew. He, he absolutely knew that. The shepherd will meet every need. So we're going through the darkness, and everything appears dark. But things are not always what they seem, right? Things are not always what they look like they are. Because things are different than that many times. Appearances are, are deceiving. It looks like we won't make it, but appearances are deceiving. It looks like it's just going to get darker and more hopeless, but appearances are deceiving. It looks like we're not going to survive this one, but appearances are deceiving. I will fear no evil. Fear no evil. One of our greatest defenses against the enemy is just having confidence in God and being able to say, I will fear no evil no matter what happens. I'm going through this valley. It is really bad. It, this is not good. You know, there's not, don't find anything good here. But one of our greatest defenses against the enemy who tells us we're not going to make it. And he tells us what you see is what there is. It's real and there's nothing else. The enemy tells us God's not with you. Look at this mess you're in. God's not with you. You're alone. The appearances are, are deceiving. The enemy tells us it's hopeless. It's just hopeless. And you know, when we're going through pain, pain distorts our view of God. Have you noticed that? Pain distorts our view of God. When we're, when we're suffering and we're in pain and we're in a dark valley and maybe we're approaching death, maybe we're in the process of dying, well, we all are that. But we're getting close into that time of going on. And, you know, when, when we're at, you know, at that point, when we are right there, it seems like we just can't see anything good going on. But even though pain distorts reality, appearances are still deceiving. But you know what we know? That all of the evil that the enemy can throw at us, all of the deep darkness that can possibly be in our lives, 
all of the disasters that we can imagine, if they are actually taking place in our lives right now, and if we are in such a deep, dark, hopeless place, we are not in a place that is so dark and hopeless that the light of Jesus Christ can't shine through it. David said, I will fear no evil. We think if I could just get out of this valley, then I'd have peace. But I can't have any peace because I'm in this dark valley. All these bad things are happening in my life. I'm suffering. If I could just get through this, then I would have peace. No. At this point, peace isn't a place we go, but a person we know. Think about that. Peace isn't a, it's a, not a place we go. If I just get there, you know, then I'm going to have peace. No, peace is in a person. It's in God. If I could just get out of this valley, then I, then I would have peace. David said, I will, I'm in the valley and I will fear no evil. Well, if my circumstances were just better, I would have peace. No, peace is not a place. Peace is in a person. The person of Jesus. Uh, do you remember eight, Romans 8? Romans 8, 35. <clears throat> now, this, this is, these are valley terms, all right? Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Now, listen to these things. These are things that are good to have go on in the valley. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation? Well, that's, that's valley stuff. Or distress, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or danger, or sword. And then in verse 37, no, in all of these valley things, I put that in. In all of these deep, dark valley things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death, we're going through the valley of the shadow of death, that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all of creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Appearances are deceiving. David said, I will fear no evil. And we can say it too. I'm following the shepherd. Shepherd, I've got my eyes on you. The, 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 the eyes of sheep are on the side of their heads. Not like ours. And so sheep are able to see everything that's going on around them, I mean, for their own safety, for, from predators and such. They're able to see there, but they can't see right, right in front of them. They have trouble maybe seeing, seeing what, what is right in front of them. Does that sound familiar? We notice, we get distracted, we notice all of the bad stuff going on around us, but we can't see the shepherd who's standing right in front of us. Number four. Things change here. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for you are with me. Before this, David is talking about he. He will make me lie down in green pastures. He will lead me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths. But when David gets in the valley, he says, you are with me. 
So he's following the shepherd, and the shepherd is before us, and, and we're following the shepherd. But when we get in the valley, the shepherd is not out there somewhere. The shepherd is right here somewhere beside us. That would have been a good place for an amen. We're not alone. He said, you're, you're with me. Your, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. King David knew some of his shepherd days, shepherding days. King David knew that those tools, the, the rod and the staff, he knew that those were the things that the skilled shepherd used to protect the sheep. And he says, my shepherd, the Lord, my shepherd, is able to use what it takes, whatever it takes to help me, but mostly he's with me. We are not alone. Sometimes we live God, like God is distant. We live, like God, we live our lives like God is distant, like God's out of touch. In fact, people say God's out of touch. You know, he's some mean old man up there, upstairs, you know, he's looking down on us, frowning, you know. No, that's not our God. Sometimes we act like God is distant, like he's out of touch with us. He doesn't know what's going on with us. And sometimes we think God is distant, and we think that he's out of reach. We can't get to him because he's so big and so wonderful and so glorious that we can't get to him. David said, you are with me now in this valley. We are not alone. We are not alone. David knew you are with me and you comfort me. The thing that brings comfort to the sheep is the presence of the shepherd. It's not the idea that they have a shepherd, it's the presence of a shepherd. That's what comforts the sheep and that's what comforts us, knowing that we are not alone. A point. Our shepherd won't abandon his sheep. Our shepherd won't abandon his sheep. Jesus says of himself in John chapter 10, verse 11, he says, I am the good shepherd. I lay down my life for the sheep. I'm the good shepherd. And the good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. Jesus, our good shepherd, laid down his life. He took our place on the cross. He took our sin penalty on him so that we could have a relationship with him. He did that. He says, I laid down my life for the sheep. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He did that so that we could have a relationship so that we can say, we are not alone. You are with me. We couldn't say that if Jesus hadn't died on the cross, if the good shepherd hadn't laid down his life for us. But he did, and we're able to do that. Our good and gracious shepherd knows what it's like to suffer. He knows what it's like to face hardship. Jesus knows what it's like to be hungry, to suffer pain in his body, physical pain in his body that we will never experience. That much pain. He knows what it's like to be thirsty, to be despised, to be exhausted, 
to be abandoned. He even on the cross, he was abandoned even by the Father when, when the Father looked and saw our sins on him for that time. And he did that so that we could say, you are with me. You are with me. Our good shepherd understands. He knows about valleys. He walks through them with us. He knows about valleys. A lot of you know that um, our 22-year-old grandson Gideon is paralyzed. He spends his life in a, in a chair, you know, that does all this stuff. And he can't move any of his limbs. He can't speak. He can't swallow. And he requires 24-hour care. You know, they, they live in St. Augustine. And he has all this equipment. You know, he has an oxygen concentrator. He has suction. He has... Uh, a port and, and IVs running all the time and he has a feeding tube and he has you know, all, all of this stuff all, all of this stuff and one Saturday I was staying with him so that his parents could go to some of the other kids ball games and I was there and, and, and when Hannah left she said dad the pest control guy's coming Because we have seen some bugs around Gideon's area. Gideon has a has a just kind of a place, a corner in the living room, you know, and the television's there and the couches so that he can be with everybody all the time. And so, but in his area, there, there's some bugs have been seen there. And she says, I have a contract, you know, with this company, and and they, he said he's going to come today. You know, and I said, okay. She said, I told him to just knock on the door and come on in. I said, okay, that's good. Well, Gideon and I, I'm sitting by his chair, and we're visiting, and, and there's a knock on the door. We hear the door open. Gideon's mind is perfect, by the way. He's just in that body that won't work. And I look at Gideon, and I, here's your bug man, Gideon. And he walks on in, and he says, I was just given this account because the guy that was taking care of your house and a bunch of other houses in here, he quit. And so I just got this account. And he says, where were the bugs seen? And I said, they were seen in Gideon's area. And, and just right here, you know, in this corner, about this size. You know, it, the, this is Gideon's corner. The, the bugs were seen right here. And I said, but this equipment, you, you can't just get in here and mess with this equipment. And, you know, I mean, this is, this is, he said, he said, I've been a, an exterminator for about a year. But the five years before that, I was a home health nurse. Two years of that, I was a hospice nurse. And he started looking at the equipment and he ended up taking the uh, oxygen concentrator completely apart. <laughs> None of us know how to do that. 
and he carefully crawled around and he cleaned things and he, he was going in all of that equipment and looking at it and talking about it and, and and he left and when he was leaving he gave me his phone number his cell phone and he said this is my personal cell phone number I live just a few miles down the road. This is my account now. If you guys have any problem, you call me and I'll come. If you need me, I'll come. And he left and I said, Gideon, what are the chances of the bug man that comes to your house being a home health nurse? What are the chances of that, Gideon? He communicates with his eyes, and he said, no chance. There is no chance that that can happen. Do you understand? Do you understand what I'm talking about? There is no chance that that cannot happen. It just it doesn't happen. We go through all these things in our lives, and sometimes we are, God, where are you? You know, God, have you forgotten us here? We're in this valley. We're in this hard time. We can't make it. We're not going to make it. It's so dark. Things seem so hopeless. Things are never going to get better. We just kind of get this feeling. But sometimes God knocks on the door. And he walks right in. And he said, I am with you. I'm with you. I have not forgotten you. I know where you are and I know what's going on in your life. I've not left you. you're in a valley, <clears throat> maybe you're going through a tough time, a dark time, or sometimes darkness falls in our lives, it falls in our lives, and we have a dilemma, we have a problem, and it's just overwhelming, it, it's just, I mean, we can't get through it, we know that we can't cope, we can't get through it, sometimes even darkness falls on relationships, sometimes darkness falls on our relationships, and and. The only way to get that darkness out of our relationships is, is to, to take those steps and follow the path of righteousness and allow the light of Jesus to shine into those relationships and those problems when we're going through that dark time. It's just overwhelming. It's just so many times overwhelming. But if you don't get anything else, We're always able to look up and say, you are with me. Jesus died on the cross so that we're able to look up and say, you are with me. We are not alone. 
The shepherd is with us. We have each other, and God sets us up so that we can minister to each other and help each other. Would you go ahead and stand? I'm going to pray in a moment. I, I don't know where you are. I don't know what's going on with you. I don't know the burden you're carrying. I don't know how heavy things are for you right now. I don't know about the darkness in your life that you're struggling through. I, I, don't, I don't know about it. But God knows about it. I'm going to invite you to come to the altar. And just to say... If you want to come, you can pray there. You can pray at home. You, you know, there's nothing magic about this. But I just want to invite you to come and say, Lord, I'm overwhelmed. I'm in a valley, and I'm overwhelmed. Or, Lord, I'm afraid I'm going to go into a valley. I fear what might come. Maybe you know someone in a dark place, in a dark place, and you want to pray for them. I invite you to come to the altar for that as well. Again, there's nothing magic about this. He's the one who helps us. But I invite you to come and bow a knee. As we know that when we bow before him and pray and humble ourselves and get out of the way and let him have his way, he'll do something with it. Let's pray. Oh, Lord, you are our shepherd. And you've got this. Lord, I thank you that you never leave us or forsake us and you know what's going on. You understand. Lord, I thank you for walking this trail with us, this path. Lord, I thank you for your faithfulness. Lord, help us to see Jesus. Help us to see our good shepherd. Lord, help us to believe. Lord, show us some light. Help us see some light in the darkness. Lord, we believe. We give you praise. In Jesus' name, amen. You come. You need to come. Come on, don't, don't have to wait.